Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982 is rated R, and uh, we watched it on Stars through our Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's like multi-layered it's, movie channels. It's, it's like the inception of streaming. Anyway, The Thing is 109 minutes, and IMDb rates it an 8.1. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it an 83, and audience gives it a 92. So this movie is, like, in a whole different class than the movies we've seen so yeah. far this month. This is a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic, which hasn't rated most of the other ones, gave it a 57. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. It's a lot down from the others, which I is interesting because Rotten Tomatoes is also a collection of professional critics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They have different pools of critics, apparently. Apparently. So, uh, this was your choice. Um, what made you choose John Carpenter's The Thing? Which is what you have to look up if you are hoping to find it on a streaming channel. Yes, this is not called The Thing. It's called John Carpenter's The Thing. It is indeed. So why did you choose it? Well, that's a fun story. Actually, both you and I put up Instagram posts before we started all this business asking people to suggest movies, you know, their favorite horror movies, and what should we review. And bada-bing, one of them was John Carpenter's The Thing. They didn't say John Carpenter's, but my assumption was that that's what they were referring to. They could have been referring to the, the remake from 2011. Also, this movie, 1982, is in fact a remake of 1951's movie, The Thing from Another World. And none of them are remakes of anything from 1682, which was what I originally (laughs) thought the date was on this movie, but that was actually the number of people who had rated it on uh, On Stars. stars. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool, though, to see a movie from 1682. Right? This movie is the story of a bunch of scientists that discover an alien in the ice in Antarctica, which we've seen many times. In this case, the alien can pretend to be somebody And so they spend the rest of the movie paranoid about which of them is now an alien and who isn't, and everybody wants to kill each other. All kinds of drama and suspicion ensue. So if we're going to start with first shot, first line, like we normally do... Sure. um, The first shot of this movie is the alien crash landing on Earth. It it starts with a, a... you know, black uh, field of stars, basically, and then a terrible example of uh, FX shows a UFO, like literally stereotypical, like frisbee-shaped UFO, kind of wavering across it, and then there's a... and it crashes, apparently, into Earth. Then... 
five and a half minutes into the movie, much of that time being taken up with the old style of, you know, showing uh, credits and such, we finally get the first line, which is spoken by the chess wizard computer saying, Your move, bishop to knight four. My move, knight to rook three. To McCready, the uh, Kurt Russell character. In addition to Kurt Russell, the movie includes Wilford Brimley and not Wilford Brimley's mustache, which is a rarity for sure. Definitely Wilford Brimley's voice, though. Yes, he did bring the voice and hopefully not the diabetes. So about this chess computer, this opening scene seems random and out of place. He's playing chess The computer beats him, he gets mad and pours water inside the computer, or his drink, and kills the computer. And I thought, what, you know, like, that's establishing character, basically, is all it is. But then I thought, or is it? Is that scene a microcosm of the entire rest of the movie, in which we're seeing that McCready, when he knows he's been beaten, he will flip the table over and win the game at the expense of destroying everything because that's how the movie ends that's really that's a very interesting perspective and i suspect you're probably right like given the quality of this movie i suspect there was actually thought put into that <laughs> that's and, a new and thing. that's a thing right like yeah. that any other movie we've seen i'd be <laughs> like no this was just a random thing but i suspect that you're right That's pretty cool, actually. The alien destroyed the generator. There was no way they could win at that point. So he just decided to burn everything down and sort of win in a way. Speaking of that computer, though, not the same computer because that one died. The other computer was a very smart computer. Just going to my favorite line in the movie. My favorite line in the movie was not spoken at all. It was printed on the screen. The computer screen said, Projection. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, dot, 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 entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. I just loved how the computer decided to throw some suspense into its statement by going, if it it gets out, dot, 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 because computers are kind of known for that sort of, that sort of dry wit. Sure, sure. They like to draw things out. Also, the computer was basically asking questions it hadn't been asked. Yeah. Like, it it just was was preemptively providing this information. Yeah, I actually made a note that says, bad storytelling. There should not have been a computer telling us what the problem was. They could have skipped that scene because we get it. This alien can copy people and kills people. Like, we don't want it getting out. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, for the time, it probably felt very sciency and official and, you know, high tech to have the computer doing that. I'm sure. And now, I, you know, it's looking at it and it's all dot matrixy and green screen and <laughs> it's not feeling super high tech. Speaking of for the time, you know, a lot of the things that stood out for me in this movie were things that are because it's from 1982. And... As I discussed in the previous podcast, I refuse to accept the 80s as a period <laughs> okay. for for things, but it kind of turns out feels a little period piece at this point. Yeah. Um, 
it it felt really old and and in turn then made me feel kind of old because i am older than this movie not by a lot but by a little bit things that stood out first of all the uh the the special effects were terrible. I'm sure at the time they were at least mediocre, if not good. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I mean, this was like, you know, I don't know. There's, there was this whole thing, which I feel like is kind of gone now, of I'm the best guy. I think this was Stan Winston who did the puppets and such because that's his thing. I'm the best at making crazy monsters, so... Look at the crazy monsters. And this movie was absolutely a big showcase of crazy oh, monsters. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yes, the those special effects were something else. Like the yeah, the monsters and the the gadgetry that went into making the monsters. Mm-hmm. It it was it, it kept making me think of um like watching uh Mythbusters and watching watching those guys like build stuff to to make things happen and i could totally picture people in the special effects department building these monsters and coming up with like yeah. ooh, if we have these noodly things waving around <laughs> that's scary and how about some red goo dripping down yeah, there's a lot of goo we can set here's a hydraulic system in here to make the goo run while we're watching and like you could see the thought process behind it yeah um but it was it was pretty terrible. Terrible, and yet still kind of freaked me out, actually. Yeah, there was the, the problem I had with the monsters wasn't how they looked, because they looked horrifying. And I thought that was really interesting how the, they seemed to... This was my own headcanon here, was that these the alien would go into the DNA of the creature that it was dealing with, and sort of flip random DNA switches, and that's why you would get the monster would it would like start becoming a dog, and then like a plant part would come out of it, or or like weird jellyfish tentacles, or like it would be a dog, and then like a bug face would come jumping out of it. Like I can imagine all that stuff is in our DNA. It's all the information is there, and if you fiddle around with it, you get weird, horrible parts. There was also some discussion, though, about how these aliens are collecting images, collecting beings that they can then imitate, right? So it seemed to me, and I also, like, the monsters were really, were interesting. The story piece involving the monsters, I really struggled with because it seemed to me like they would start turning into something and then they would have all these, like, random weird past lives or past images like start popping out of them. That's what got me into that idea. Yeah, and I think multiple times in my notes I I made comments about how it didn't make any sense the way that they changed for a couple of reasons. First of all, it doesn't make evolutionary sense. (laughs) Like that they start to change and and, and suddenly they have like four different creatures in them like that's there's that doesn't make sense like that's not helping them survive in any way because it slowed them down and that was the other part like when you start to change and your skin has to split and then you this dog part grows out of you and then there's this other thing and then there's tentacles (laughs) grabbing things and it was so elaborate that it would slow them down in the process of escaping from anybody who's trying to kill them and it made such a huge mess that I was like, I didn't believe that other people had been changed without our knowledge. 
Like, it was loud and took a long time and left a huge mess. And you're telling me that Clark or whoever gets changed and nobody knows it happened? Yeah, it managed to clean up quite nicely. What you're talking about, the slowness and stuff, that was where I was going and got distracted Mm. by the DNA thing. That was the problem with the monster was it would freak out and start monstering out. And it kind of would just stand up and go, look at all this scary stuff, and not pose any threat at all for a good 10 seconds before it did anything. They could have gotten out of there. Well, and it definitely gave them enough room to bust out the, or Mm. enough time to bust out the, you know, flamethrowers and dynamite and whatnot. Like, it really wasn't that difficult to destroy, except that small parts of it could then adapt and become functional parts like which is a scary concept yeah especially when they bring it down to the idea that even the blood itself like that was Mm -hmm. their layman's test as to whether someone was infected or not was you know threaten the blood and see if it reacts and it did so i mean really at at a cellular level these things are capable of regeneration yeah which there's no way they got it all so whatever yeah we're dead (laughs) there's just no chance i mean it's sometimes it would move super fast just a little bit like it would shoot out a tongue and wrap it around something and like Mm -hmm. there's no way you could dodge it it's so fast wow right but most of the time it's so slow and what i decided to do was i took this movie as a book what it was showing me was the words And I was using my imagination to turn those words into a a scene like you would with a book. You know, you picture Mm -hmm. what you're going to see. But in this case, I was taking what I'm seeing and creating something else that I'm seeing, which is that there is a monster that would be like a monster in real life and could actually move at a decent speed and pose a threat to the people and that they manage to get through anyway. Like, it's tough. It's close. They just barely make it. And I think that's what they were going for. And that is my central thesis to this entire review right here. Okay. Which is that we do need to see the remake, the 2011 remake, because this movie is perfect for remaking. Because I think the the ideas are all there, but the execution was not possible. Right, it was limited 80s. by the, the time. Yeah. So, I mean, they had this big monster just kind of sticking out and being scary when it could have been really dangerous. And they yeah. could do that in 2011. I feel like even at the time they could have done some different they made some different choices with their editing. Yeah. And like sped things up a little bit. Yeah, they could have done that. So another thing that stood out to me from the whole like this is an 80s movie was there were some pretty extreme stereotypes going on <laughs> um which would not fly these days. Yeah. And in particular, I'm thinking about the two black characters. Um, they were they were so stereotypical. Like there was the angry black man, and then there was the like jester, joker, entertainer kind of guy. Like the yeah, you know all hip slaying and roller skates, and you know like yeah. And, and there were a bunch of white guys who were all fully established characters with lots of facets to them, and then there was the black guy who was always angry and the black guy who was always. Roller skating. Like... Yeah, roller skating. Yeah, it seemed um, not great. Well, I agree. And that is the next issue I have. It's not that, but the all those white guys you're talking about, there were too many people. There were so many people that I couldn't keep track of them all. <laughs> I remember. 
remember the one guy who came in and said something, and you're like, oh, are you in this movie? That was like 75% of the way through the yes. movie. And it was the first time we had ever come across you. I'm like, oh, you're here too? Where have you been? But there was another scene that with a similar ridiculousness, which was... Uh, the roller skater guy, I think of him as the chef, because I kind of think he was a chef. He was, yeah. He he was in charge uh, of the kitchen at any rate. Yeah. He was missing from a scene. Like, they were all in the room. They were talking about, you know, oh, I think maybe you're an alien. Maybe you are. Let's be careful. Let's all group up and do something. And he wasn't there. And I kept thinking, well, where is he? Now, that's interesting. And then in the next shot, he was just there, literally in the middle of all of these people. Like, there's no way he could have been there unless that he wasn't, like, they, he teleported. That's sure. the only explanation. So he is an alien. Uh-huh. But that's how much this movie had too many people. Like, he was missing from the scene, and then they stuck him right in the middle of the scene. And they were confident shot. that nobody would notice <laughs> that he had been missing. Exactly. So the final thing about the 80s is how much hero types have changed. Even if we just limit it to men, like there are a lot more female heroes. There were Mm -hmm. zero women in this movie. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, Not a one. Anyway. Oh, and I'd like to say I read the synopsis of the 1951 version. Did have both women and men in their research station. Yeah, so the 80s. Yeah. I'm sure they justified it with like, there couldn't be both genders in the... Antarctica together, isolated, because think of the shenanigans. Yeah. But even if we just consider male heroes in movies, like, the Kurt Russell character in this movie was so kind of surly and, you know, this tough, rough guy, and and his whole heroic act was, I'm going to blow everything up to <laughs> save the world. Like, yeah. that's that's the heroism of the 80s is, you know, well, if we can't win, then we destroy everything so that they can't win either. Yeah. And that's... The Cold War. Not... Right. (laughs) And that's not how things are resolved in movies these days. I mean, not exclusively, at least. Yeah, not as much. Um, I... My note said, Kurt Russell, big, tough hero. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wore his bomber jacket the whole time (laughs) and, like, ooh, you know, he was... He was big tough guy and zero sensitivity zero emotion like the hero of toxic masculinity right there (laughs) yeah and that was um i think that was another flaw to like again where they had great ideas a good story concept but then in the execution that's another failure where this could have been a really intense paranoia suspicion thing but instead they kind of bullied through it with let's blow everybody up right even though i think there were good suspicion-y scenes too like the whole blood test scene was like the best part of the movie it was very who's gonna be a problem and we're all locked in in this Mm -hmm. one spot and that was Mm -hmm. pretty cool um to jump to the very end of the movie the final shot leaves it open-ended really And what do you think about that? How it ends with the two guys that are left. Oh, those guys are going to die. It's like 40 below. No, they have to die. But is Childs an alien? Because that's a big difference whether he is or not. I don't think it is that big of a difference. Because Mm -hmm. a huge issue that I had with the end of the movie 
was that they're destroying the entire base with the assumption that they are going to destroy the entire organism yeah. at the same I mean, time. They're not. Even if those two guys were humans and they sacrificed themselves because they're both big, tough guys <laughs> who, you know, blah, blah, blah. They did not get that alien. Like, they, they, they set up explosions all over, but there were big parts of the buildings that didn't explode. Yeah. And... Even while we were watching it, we talked about how, you know, heat was a big issue for this alien and cold was not. Like, it just went into hibernation in the cold. So they blew up their entire base and all the alien had to do to escape was just go stand a hundred yards out into the the ice and snow. Like, I do not believe that they've completely destroyed that alien, even if they're both human. And the, the big finish, the big final alien... He blew it up, which is just a way of scattering its bits everywhere, really. I mean, it's probably pretty traumatic, but I'm sure some of it is going to fly around and splatter somewhere and be okay. Right, and and uh, since they've already proven that it is it regenerating at a cellular level, yeah. there are definitely cells of this critter that have survived and someday will be unearthed, possibly in 2011. (laughs) (laughs) That's very possible. That's a good thought. Unearthed and, uh, you know, start this whole situation all over again. And I didn't even care. Like, I really didn't even feel like it was necessary for me to wonder whether they were aliens (laughs) or not. Because one way or the other, that alien is coming back. Well, I was was going with the... um the open-endedness and wondering because I decided that, you know, that they're telling me it's dead other than possibly this guy. Like I'm, I'm willing to accept their story. Again, I'm, I'm reading this book (laughs) and in my imagination, all that it could be left is child's. Okay. And that's entirely with the assumption that when the Kurt Russell character says, I know I'm a human, that he's right. Yeah, but he's Kurt Russell. So I'm not worried about that. His character went off screen often enough and was away from what well, I could see. and got accused at one point. We never did find out why his shirt was ripped up. I mean, it probably was a trick, but... There was even a moment where I was like, so if he's the one doing this experiment with the blood, he did, that's not necessarily his blood. Like, I am very suspicious of the... That would be a great McCready. twist for the uh, 2011 to start with. Yeah. Of course, we they'd have to explain why Kurt Russell is old now, but whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I did think about the ending, that was some pretty spectacular explosions. And being <laughs> that it was 1980s, I'm pretty sure those were actual explosions. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, some guy got to really blow a lot of stuff <laughs> up to make this movie. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like, I feel like there were, people really enjoyed the making of the end of this movie. So what was your favorite line, though? So, my favorite line... I, I really like the lines, I think, where I end up going, what? No, that's stupid. <laughs> I like those too. <laughs> where, where I'm, where I, basically, I like the line because it points out that the writers did something wrong. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm drawn to that so much. But, so the, my favorite line was... You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms, and it imitates them perfectly. This was after they had shown us this weird, like, two-faced, totally twisted up, broken, terrible thing. (laughs) And all I could think as they were saying, and it does it perfectly, was, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It, that reminds me, when the dog was mutating out in the middle of the dog shelter, its face split open, and there's its skull inside, and then it just spit the skull out with a tongue. Like, it had a tongue pop out of the back of the head and pushed the skull out and threw it away. And I was like, that's weird and gross. Then, a little bit later, it grew a dog head out of its back. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you had a skull. It was perfectly it was good. It was not efficient. It was oh. not an efficient metamorphosis. No, it was a big mess, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And and honestly, like, horror movies don't usually get to me. Mm-hmm. This one made me feel a little twitchy. And part of it is every time I think about spaghetti or jello right now, <laughs> I'm those pictures come into my head and I'm just like, oh, gross. Yeah, that was, that was really some creepy, horrible monsters. Yeah. I also liked the the line, they're falling out of the skies like flies. Yes, it was the hippie uh, oh. uh, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And that was his thing. <laughs> like, don't be shocked about the whole idea of aliens. Like, they're just falling out of the skies <laughs> like flies. Yep. I thought that was funny. There's aliens everywhere. Yeah. Uh, one scene that was really, I mean, effective, I think, is they've got this guy who's down and unconscious and they're throwing him up on the table it's one of these dramatic er scenes right because he's like i think out of shock he's you know had a heart attack or something it's not really clear why it happened but he's not okay it's real intense on that level of you know everybody's getting their paddles and they're gonna electrocute him and stuff and so it's going like that and you're on edge because of the basic human survival thing and then he goes to defibrillate him. His hands just go right in the guy's chest, which opens wide and, and turns chomps. Into teeth. Yes. Just crunches his arms off. And it is really shocking and sudden. And it's all the way more effective because you're wrapped up in the medical drama of it. Right. It's not what you're expecting. It happens really fast. That's the time the monster worked really fast. And by the way, nice job, monster, on perfectly replicating a human with that chest cavity that opens Full and chomps people. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what well, we're Well, you like. don't know. He might have been perfectly replicating some other creature from some other planet. Maybe. Maybe. That has that kind of a chest. I think my main personal connection to this is just that it it was from the 80s. And I am I was not born in the 80s, but that's what I remember. Like, my first yeah. memories are from the 80s. So it, it was just interesting to see that time period again. And to make me realize how much has changed. Like, this was in my lifetime that that computer with the greenish screen and the dot matrix printing and everything, that that was the highest tech of the land. And now I have a computer on my wrist and I carry another one in my pocket every day. That's true. These things on our wrists are way more powerful than that. Yeah. They're Fitbits, by the way. Yeah. So I think my personal connection is just that it like kind of made me realize how far we've come technology-wise. Both in making the movie and just in life. That's a good one. I didn't come up with a personal connection, but I can say I have kind of a memory. You know, when I was young, like a teenager, we would watch all these Kurt Russell movies. I distinctly remember Escape from New York and one of my absolute favorites, Big Trouble in Little China. So good. And indeed, he is always a big, tough hero. Big Trouble in Little China is the best for that. Him doing his big action hero thing, that was a bringing me back to an earlier time, which was in fact the 80s. 
Sure. So, yeah. That's funny because seeing Kurt Russell reminds me of the movie that I watched that has him in it. I know what it is. You Do you know what it is? The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. No. no? What? That's a movie he did. I've never even heard of that movie. <laughs> it's real and he did it. No. You're forgetting that I was a girl in the 80s. It wore tennis shoes? <laughs> no. He was in Overboard with Goldie Hawn. Oh, Hawk. boy. Yeah. We could watch the remake of that, but I don't think it's horror. Uh, it's a little horrific, actually. Mm. But yeah, that's that. Every time I saw him on screen, I was like, he's that same guy. Yeah, he is. He did a lot of movies. Yep. He was also in Stargate, by the way, but not the Stargate we like. We like the show. Oh, yeah. The Stargate movie was dumb. Speaking of movies that are dumb. So it's time to rate John Carpenter's The Thing. And John Carpenter's out of five rating system patented by us, not by him. So then it should be The Hommel's pot. I patented know, but I feel like you should put John Carpenter out in of front five. of things. I'm not giving him credit for our patented rating system. Okay. Which I'm going to use to give his movie four jello covered spaghetti noodles out of five. <laughs> I am sad because I don't want to use that rating system. <laughs> Too bad. I got to pick it. Um, yeah, I'm giving it four out of five because I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. Um, had its issues, but I have to cut it some slack because a lot of those issues come from the fact that this movie is now uh, like almost 40 years old. 36, I think. That's not young. No. So, um, yeah, a lot of the problems are problems that were inevitable because of the time that it was made. So I'm giving it a four out of five. And I recommend that other people watch it. Very nice. It's a classic. A classic. It is a classic. And I think it's one of the first classics. I don't remember which other ones we checked out other than Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes to mind. Mm. But it's one of the first classics that I feel like really lives up to classicdom and appropriateness although i get why texas chainsaw massacre is a classic totally i just don't enjoy it so i will agree with you and rate it for jello covered covered spaghetti spaghetti noodles noodles out of five even though i didn't want to use the patented (laughs) rating system in this instance but i used it anyway While we wipe that image from our minds, we will come back tomorrow with an amazing new movie, the likes of which you have never seen before unless you've already seen it, which you should have because we're going to give spoilers. That was a little convoluted. That's what happens when you let me talk. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.